Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. So last week we took a look at details and how most Left of Normals are more detail-oriented and less big-picture-oriented. Today's podcast comes about a year after the decision to start Left of Normal, so it kicks off a new part of the series that brings in some guest speakers where we talk about our differences. And since this cast is all about the left of normal, my goal is to focus questions on how the guest views the left of normal person and what it looks like from the outside perspective. We'll start off with somebody I've known for quite a while, who knows me better than most people know me, and she gets the privilege of living with me and being around me all the time. I'm talking to, of course, my wife, Jessica Siri. Jessica, welcome to Left of Normal. Thanks for having me as a guest. So earlier this week, I mentioned a book called Journal of Best Practices. Uh, when I listened to the book, I found myself nodding along to a lot of it and realizing that some of our situations are very similar. And two that really stood out to me are laundry and doing dishes. So those are what I wanted to get started with right away. Let's start with doing the dishes and especially loading the dishwasher. There is a right and a wrong way to do this and it was an area of conflict early in our marriage on what the right and the wrong way to do it was. So what did you experience when we loaded the dishwasher and you did it wrong? <laughs> no, my way was still the correct way. I will never veer from that. But I remember we were just dating and I was at your house and I was trying to be helpful and clean up after a dinner and I started loading the dishwasher. Granted, I was not raised in a house with a dishwasher either. And so this was new territory to have a dishwasher to load. And so I started putting in the dishes in how I felt was a very logical way to load them. And you came behind me and switched the dishes in different spots. <laughs> And I remember being so incredibly insulted by you, I literally left and went home. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. I should have waited until after she left to reload the dishwasher <laughs> the right way. But when you're loading the dishwasher, the water tends to come from the middle. And so the plates and dishes should face inward so they get maximum cleaning throughout the cycle. I can't remember exactly what. Jessica had done in order to load the dishwasher wrong, but it was probably like a bowl facing the back of the dishwasher where it would never get clean. And so I had to redo it in order to maximize efficiency. In the book, Journal of Best Practices, he talks about how he organizes the dishwasher logically so that when he's unloading, he can just pull all the plates out at one time because they're all in the same spot and then put them away in one movement rather than make multiple trips. So there is a science behind doing the dishes. <laughs> My way was still the correct way. <laughs> if you want to rewash them after they already washed, yes. <laughs> so on to the next part, uh, laundry. In the book he talks about how he, the laundry would just sit in the in the dryer and he'd pick through and he'd grab what he needs and then put it on and leave the rest of it in the dryer. And then his wife eventually kind of got mad at him and said, if you're picking through it anyway, why don't you just pull everything out and mm -hmm. fold the clothes? And so early on, Jessica has a variety of clothes that need special attention. And so she gets to do the laundry. And 
I don't have to worry about accidentally drying something that shouldn't have been dried. But early on, when the clothes came out, all of mine ended up just in a pile uh, because apparently I did something inappropriate when I had to refold all the laundry that she <laughs> folded incorrectly before I put it away. Yes, and yet another little early on of learning about each other. I love to do laundry, so it doesn't bother me to do laundry, but Scott was very particular about how his boxer shorts needed to be folded, and I don't have time in my life to fold boxer shorts or underwear. They just get put into a drawer, so the thought of actually physically folding an item like that uh, didn't work for me, or having his shirts, there is a method to how you fold your shirts, and once again, I don't have time in my life for folding them in exact way. So very within the first couple weeks of realizing that you want your clothes folded a certain way, uh, it was a pretty good compromise that I will do the laundry, but I will never fold your clothes for you and put them away for you. And so it's worked out to be a pretty good deal. Um, except when you would fold the towels a different way than I would fold the towels. And I think I eventually just gave up that battle and started folding them the way you folded them because that was not worth time and energy to switch. And they're just towels. So I don't have a preference for how things are folded. As long as they are clean, that's all that matters to me. Towels just have too many ways that you can fold them. And depending on how you fold them will determine how they fit properly in a closet <laughs> as well. <laughs> that's why my boxers and my shirts are folded the way they are so they actually fit properly and they stack nicely and neatly in my drawers <laughs> once again good compromise you just get to keep always folding your own laundry and your socks you i just roll the socks you make sure they're folded in half and then folded in half and put together and and they have to face the right way and they have to, yeah. everything <laughs> goes into chaos yes if they're facing the wrong way chaos <laughs> chaos and then like i mentioned it little while ago, one of my previous episodes, the socks and the shirts and the underwear have to be organized in the right way so you don't accidentally wear one pair too many times in a row. And everything gets equal opportunity to be worn, and then you don't wear out a particular set of socks faster than a different set. It, you should take a picture of your drawer compared to my drawer, <laughs> and that would speak volumes for different ways of looking at the world, because your drawer is very neat and tidy. And because I could just close mine and nobody has to see it but me, mine is not neat and tidy. <laughs> what are some other instances where my adorable quirks mm -hmm. have caused conflict or made you stop and pause and have to reassess the way you look at things? Um, there... Another instance, when we were dating, we got dressed up to go to an event, and I had picked out a certain dress that I was going to wear, and then you matched it, but then later when I was getting ready, I decided not to wear that dress, and I picked out a different one that I felt more uh, prettier in and more comfortable wearing, and so um, you came to pick me up, and I was not wearing the dress uh, that you thought I was going to wear. And so the only words you said to me were, 
you're not wearing the right dress. Um, and not once did you tell me I looked pretty or I looked attractive or anything. And I just remember being very upset the entire evening of why, why could he have not just told me I looked pretty um, and not, I mean, now, and how many years into knowing each other, I, I would still get upset by, for not getting a compliment when I'm dressed up, but um, your, I just, I ruined your vision that you had, <laughs> and uh, all I wanted to was be told that I looked pretty. Which you did, because, but I shouldn't, it, I don't have to say that all the time, because I said it once, and it's just kind of a blanket statement, it's kind of similar to having to say good morning to coworkers every day. Mm -hmm. It's like, I see you every day. I said good morning yesterday. Why am I, why do I have to say good morning again? But also it threw everything off because then we didn't match and it didn't look like we were together and the whole evening was ruined because now I was wearing a blue shirt and she was wearing a red dress or whatever it was. I don't even remember what we were wearing. I do. But it was, everything <laughs> got thrown into chaos because the matching aspect of the evening was gone. Yep. yep, yep, absolutely. I do remember telling you too that if you didn't compliment me on our wedding day, I would not walk down the aisle <laughs> with you. And so it was a very forced, you look pretty, tap, tap, tap on the head on our <laughs> wedding day. But I think at that point I had just learned to accept that that's who you are <laughs> and I can't fully change those qualities. And so when I get my compliments, they mean a lot more because I know that they're not often and spoken every day. So when they are actually spoken, um, I know that they are truly meaningful. Pat, pat. <laughs> <laughs> Scott likes to just pat me on the head and not say anything and then walk away. <laughs> are there any other instances that you can remember where things were weird or different? that you weren't expecting? So one, uh, after we were married, uh, my whole life I've always just wanted my own dog. And so I remember when we finally got married and lived in a house, I was able to, in my viewpoint, we could get a dog because now I we live in a house and I don't rent and all this. And in your detail-oriented mind, the house had to have a fenced-in yard, and we had to have a big yard for it to run in, and all these stipulations in order to have this dog. And I kept saying that we don't need to have that, that we could do so many other aspects of owning a dog, but you don't have to have the perfect thing set up in order to get one. And um, eventually one day, I finally was able to talk you into that it was okay to own a dog. And so um, I would have just taken a pound puppy of a dog, um, but you wanted a, a certain kind of dog and it had, you of course researched it where I would have just went out and got one um, and got our cute little Scottish Terriers, uh, our first one. And it turned out to be one of like the first best things that we did is we got this wonderful dog and we didn't have a fenced in yard or a perfect place for her to, in what you envisioned, our yard was perfect for her. And 
she didn't need all those things that you thought she needed to be successful and she she it was perfect part of that comes from growing up my dad absolutely hates dogs he pretends that he likes our dogs but when you hear him talk about other people's dogs he talks about how terrible they are and how they all just need to go away and so when i wanted dogs growing up there was always it was always quickly squashed by dogs are messy they're difficult you gotta walk them all the time they're hard to take care of if you don't have a yard to just throw them out in they you have to physically go out there and make sure they're getting all their energy out and everything but then the other aspect was when we got ruby i had gone out bear hunting and i shot a bear and then i was excited and so i shared that information and jessica said oh good now i can you got your bear now i can get a dog pretty much and i said wait what no i'm gonna put this bear back that's not part of the deal i'm not ready for that because the bear has to have a perfect wall to hang it on and money to get it turned into a disgusting rug so i threw everything he you threw at me back at you and literally a week later we had the most adorable little dog in the world <laughs> I said, I finally just said, okay, we can get a dog, but I get to choose which one and which yep. breed and everything. Yep. And then it all worked out with a Scotty dog because they have the best name. <laughs> and truly, they did work out to be the best breed for us. So it's funny how that all worked out. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> we have one of our Scotty dogs sitting with us right now. Yes. So, uh... Other aspects, I know there's not necessarily a husband and wife situation, but when we were upgrading Jessica's car, her old car was starting to wear out. She was driving an old Honda Civic, and we needed something a little bit bigger. We knew we were going to start a family eventually, and we wanted to make sure the a bigger vehicle was in place before that, before a child came along. And so we, I spent quite a while, I made a whole spreadsheet on what size SUVs would work out for us, which ones got the best ratings, what gas mileage they had, average prices and everything. And so I had this whole spreadsheet and I ordered them from top to bottom. Toyota RAV4 was one of the top listed ones. Uh, when I talked about this at a biz to biz meeting, a guy in our group named Mike Lee, he said, I told him, told everyone what happened. He said, well, it's totally different from what I did. I went to the dealership and I said, that one's white. I like it. I'm going to get that car because it's white. <laughs> and so a lot of our bigger decisions go into spreadsheets and analyze all these things. And so how does that look from the outsider perspective to what normal people do? Uh, so this is where we balance each other so well being married because you do you do all of those things and i just say okay because if i would be the same way like the story you just told about the car uh years ago when we would upgrade our phones i uh, walked into the verizon to get a new phone and they were trying to sell me on all these features and i literally said I want a phone based because it looks pretty and the color of it and where you would have done all your research to get this best phone and I just want a phone like I it doesn't it doesn't matter to me um, 
or going on trips. You you will plan everything out where I would just get in the car and, and go and see what happens. Um, and so for me being more of a, I wouldn't say sporadic, well, it is sporadic, I guess, um, but just jumping into things, you definitely see every little aspect of it to where I'm trusting of your decisions that you make because I know that you are not making them randomly without any thought where a lot of my decisions I make, I make out of emotion and because it feels right or feels good uh, being a normie, I guess <laughs> if you would want to call it. But, and then there's times that, you know, I get you to just live in the moment and go and take a risk and do something. And, but most of the time your, your details pay off in, um, what we're able to do with our life and how we live our life. So what are the more difficult aspects of living with somebody that's left of normal? or even just dealing with people that are left of normal in general, not even if you're living or in a relationship together? Um, I think the socially, I think is hard. Um, being one myself who is more of the extrovert, extrovert and wants to be together with a lot of people, um, watching you struggle in social situations, that's hard to see. Um, this has been nice because I, even though we've been married, I learn more from you through this than um, sitting down and talking. Um, and that also is one of the challenges is that you aren't, you don't uh, voice your concerns or voice as often as maybe other married couples, two normies put together. And um, I know that I have to just be able to kind of wait or because I can't pry anything out of you. And I, I know that when it's worth sharing, it's worth sharing, if that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> uh, probably one of the other challenges is just the like what we talked about for the complimenting or acknowledging good deeds or doing something good um, that that's hard. And I being able to hear it makes me feel appreciative. Um, and I, but when I don't hear it, that's challenging to not, even though I know that you feel that you, you appreciate me and appreciate things, but just hearing it. So being articulate and speaking can be a challenge of not knowing um, what's, how you're thinking or what you're feeling. Um, I'm a feeler, <laughs> an emotional feeler, <laughs> and you don't express those things. So that can be challenging to get out of you. So something I, the left of normals could try to do rather than, you know, it feels a lot, a lot of times it just kind of feels awkward to say those compliments because we've rehearsed them so many times in our heads that mm -hmm. by the time we say them, they feel forced and not genuine anymore and so instead leaving notes yep. 
would be a lot easier for myself at least and I believe it would get across the same yes. the same emotional concept convey the same concept and you used to do that leave little notes little cards probably ran out of cards and then I didn't have any more and so I was like, well, I can't do it differently. I set the standard with these little cards and now I don't have the cards anymore so I have to, I just, I just won't do it. But I left like a dozen of them and that should be plenty. To last the next 10 years. Yes. You just reread them. Right. <laughs> Is there anything else that you have learned over the last year with this podcast going or even the last 15 years since we've known each other? Uh, I think to give more grace in social situations has been probably the most eye-opening for me to, um, to understand more of what's going on during family get-togethers or places where, uh, you, I mean, you could really care less about being in those situations. Uh, just understanding you know when you're sitting on your phone instead of engaging socially knowing how hard it is to engage socially and so that has opened my eyes more to understanding that instead of being frustrated upon leaving social situations and giving more grace and understanding maybe i'll just do like in that book he talks about how he writes him it's called the journal best practices because he literally has a journal that when he'd learned something new about himself or about what how he was supposed to be acting he would write it down so he could review it later maybe i'll just start bringing note cards to social situations <laughs> be like so how about that job of yours is it going well i think that would be uh, embarrassing for you <laughs> to do i'll just leave you at home <laughs> See, it worked out perfectly. I know, see, and I've learned that you don't have to come to everything with me too. So, and it's okay. It doesn't mean that we are, we don't love each other. It's just understanding where one another is comfortable with. Uh, is there anything else that anyone listening should know about being in a relationship with somebody that's left of normal? Um, try to understand the other person uh, through what I had to learn is to not be so reactive and to try, uh, just walk away and process uh, and really try to see your standpoint. And that would be with any marriage, but I think being married to uh, a left of normal uh has more challenges in it because they do react different emotionally and so um, just knowing those boundaries and where those limits lie and how you can support and help your spouse because you love them all right well thanks for tuning in don't forget to like comment subscribe Join the Facebook community. Know that one of the reasons marriages are more fun is when two people don't have identical personalities and you get to learn about them and you get to learn how to interact and function as a whole when you have two viewpoints of the world. Yep. And of course, share this with your friends, whether they're left 
normies or right.